Hello, welcome to my secret obsession. I'm Cherish Lively, and we're listening to Jane the Ripper by Danielle Nabert. This psychological suspense is a throwback to the early 90s and a tribute to women breaking through the glass ceiling. This novel pits two women against each other as Detective Maggie Shepard hunts for a serial killer who's taking out men. One reviewer says, It's easy to like the murderer. She has a reason for her rage and her targeting of victims. Let's begin the story so you can decide for yourself which woman you're rooting for. So get comfy, turn up the volume, and let's read a book. Chapter 12 Why don't you slip those things all the way off? Sure. Randy slipped his pants off his legs and stumbled over to Jane. Jane twisted herself from him. Slowly now. You gotta let me get my things off. Jane let her dress fall to the ground in a silent white puddle. She stood there in her crotchless panties and bra. Her nipples stuck out in the frigid autumn air. She flicked her nipples at him. Like them? Yeah. Randy was practically drooling. Come and kiss them. Jane held a firm nipple in her fingertips. Randy went over to Jane. He put his hand on her breast. She slapped it away. He looked at her in surprise. I said kiss, not feel. Oh, right. Sorry. He bent over to give each nipple a wet kiss. She grabbed his hair and pushed him away from her. I want you to finish finger-fucking me, she calmly said. I'd rather fuck you with my cock. I said, with your finger. Now move, Jane exclaimed in a demanding voice. Randy went down on his knees in front of her. He looked up at her with puppy eyes. Jane couldn't believe this idiot. He was easier to play with than she thought. Big ladies, man, my ass. She didn't want to push it too much either. Jane faked a little groan, which made Randy more excited. He suddenly stood up and grabbed her. He was stronger than she thought, but she knew what to do next to keep him under control. She knelt down in front of him and blew on his swollen member. Jane wanted him to think that she was going to please him, too. Randy moaned in ecstasy at the aspect of Jane's actions. He grabbed her hair to push her closer to his groin. What the fuck? Randy moved back with Jane's wig in his hand. You stupid idiot, Jane screamed. Randy dropped the wig on the ground. Hey, I'm sorry, that doesn't matter. Your hair is just as good. Even sexier. Come on, you can finish your job. He held his cock out towards her. My job? My job? Jane roared. What's the matter with you? Randy took a couple steps back from the crazy look in Jane's eyes. My problem? I'll tell you what my problem is. You. Jane stood up and slowly advanced on him. Huh? I don't know what your problem is, but I'm leaving. Randy walked over to his pants and reached down for them. Fucking crazy bitch, he muttered. Jane stood there watching this pitiful excuse for a man. Her heart was racing. She usually didn't get this angry, but this, this peon insulted her. He mumbled something under his breath. It sounded like fucking loose-ass cunt. Her eyes slipped further closed. She reached over for her purse, 
put on the plastic gloves and pulled out her needle, uncapped it, and walked quietly behind him. Shit, she didn't even get a fuck out of this. Well, he was going to pay big time. It was going to be worse for him than it was for the others. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have gotten so mad, Jane spoke softly behind him, watching closely to how his head was turning. Yeah, whatever. You know, you're one crazy bitch. I mean, I give you one hell of a hand job, but fuck, lady. I never said I was a lady. Jane started to laugh. Hell, I never even said I wasn't crazy. Maybe I am just that. What's that? Randy looked up at her. He was trying to untangle his pants legs. Jane leaned over his head, thrusting her chest on his head. One of her hands went down his chest and pinched his nipple. Ouch! Stop that, I'm leaving. Thanks for the hand job. Randy tried to squirm out from under the weight of her. Jane leaned heavier on him. She kissed the top of his head. I don't think you're going anywhere, asshole. Jane quickly stuck the needle behind an ear and plunged it. What the hell was that? Randy cried out. He reached up behind his ear and looked at his hand when he pulled it away, looking for blood. Jane bounced away from him. She had a silly grin on her face. No, I didn't bite you. At least not with my teeth. I wouldn't want to dirty them on you. Nope. What bit you was this. She showed him the needle. Brandy stared at her. Jane sat on the cold ground and just stared at him with that grin. This was the fun part. Watching and waiting. Randy shook his head as the drug took effect. His head felt heavy, like it wasn't a part of him. Suddenly, he felt flush, then his whole body was warm. His legs felt like jelly, but he still tried to move them, but they wouldn't listen to him. The whole time, Jane sat cross-legged on the ground watching him. She cocked her head to the side. After another minute, she got bored watching him and stood up. Jane pushed Randy to the ground. He tried to say something, but he didn't have control over his tongue. Jane stood over him. Quick, huh? Oh, that's right. You can't answer me. That's all right. I don't want to hear your pathetic little mouth anyway. Jane kneeled down over his face and spread herself with her fingers. Smells good, doesn't it? Like to get your greasy lips on it, wouldn't you? She stood up and kicked him gently in the head with her bare foot. I don't think so. Randy's eyes followed her movements. He tried to turn his head, but couldn't. Oh, don't worry. You'll satisfy me soon in other ways. Not just with that little pecker. Jane kicked him in the groin. That didn't hurt, did it? Jane giggled at Randy's wide-eyed, painful expression. You know, you are a good listener. Did you know that? Jane paced back and forth by Randy's side. I like that in a man. Too bad there are not many of you around. I see you are wondering why I picked you. Why do you think? Jane stopped moving and leaned over in front of Randy's face. No response? Well, I'll tell you anyway. Because you're a man. That's right. 
Amen. You all think with your dicks, not your brains. Oh, yes, you pretend to. But the moment you think you're going to get laid, your brain suddenly becomes dysfunctional. Jane stood upright again and looked at the trees in the distance. I am so sick of prick brains. At first, I let you become my master. I did your bidding. Jane looked back down at the body. She didn't see Randy Scott anymore. Instead, it was her father laying there, listening to her. Did you know I actually thought I loved you? I really did. I put up with all those years of you fucking and selling me. It took me a while to understand that I was nothing to you. Nothing but a whore, a maid, a damn cook. Not anymore. I'm queen now. Got it, motherfucker? She kicked him hard in the side. Jane finished raving at the man laying there in terror. She went and grabbed her purse and brought it over by him. She dug out the duct tape and bound his wrists together and put his hands in a prayer position. Then she taped his ankles together. Randy's eyes pleaded with her to stop, but she didn't see him anymore. Jane reached into her purse and took out a large, sharp scalpel. She held it in front of his face. I know what I'm doing, just so you know. I studied different medical journals for a long time. Nice thing about working at the library. I can sit and read without having to take anything out. So, nothing points towards me. Jane studied his face. Her father's image disappeared, and Randy Scott's face became in focus. This won't take too long, I promise. Soon the drug will take full effect, and your mind will drift off. Oh, don't worry. The drug won't kill you. I made sure of that. Jane smiled at him. One lone tear escaped from Randy's eye. He knew soon he was dead. She was the serial killer the cops were looking for. They had it all wrong. They were looking for some big man, when all along it was this small, crazy woman, Randy thought to himself. Jane saw the tear. She wiped it gently with the cloth. I am sorry, you know, but lessons must be learned. I was taught over and over and over again until I learned. Now it's my time to be the teacher. I thought they would understand the first time around, but they didn't. Instead, they ignored it. Randy didn't know who they were, and he didn't think he wanted to know. He just wanted her to go away. He closed his eyes. Her rambling was driving him crazy. Something cold touched his chest. He struggled to open his eyes. Jane was caressing his chest with the side of the scalpel. Oh my, I almost forgot the most important thing. Jane grabbed his flaccid member with a cold hand. She slowly moved her hand up and down. She even gave it a little kiss. It started to harden. See what I mean? Even at a time like this, it goes to attention. Jane let it go with a slap to the groin. She grabbed the duct tape and started wrapping it around the midsection of the penis. She was tightening it more and more, strangling it to the point where it stood at attention without any help. What a nice little soldier. 
She glided the scalpel against the tip of it. She grinned at Randy and then turned her attention back to the middle. She gripped the penis in one hand and then slowly sliced into it. The top half fell onto the ground. Don't worry. I won't let you stay dirty for long. She pulled out her canteen of water and poured ice-cold water onto the dissected section. She blew on it as if to dry it. Nice and clean. Cutting off more duct tape, she put the penis onto the ankle and wrapped the tape around it and the ankle, stabilizing them together. Jane leaned over to Randy's ear and whispered, I told you I was the best thing ever. I really got your rocks off. She laughed at her own joke. Oh no, you're dripping. Jane looked at the stump of a penis. She was prepared, and she quickly cleaned it with soap and water. Clean and orderly, like it was never used, and it never would be again. She chuckled at her thought. Getting a little tired? Jane glared at Randy. I need you to pay attention. She slapped him hard in the face. His eyes widened. That's better. Jane put the blade against his right ear and slowly drew a line across his cheek, across his mouth to the other ear. A thin line of blood bubbled up. She watched the blood for a couple of seconds. She repeated her motions, but this time with a heavier hand. Deeper she cut, till the blood pooled around Randy's face. Randy tried to turn his head from the coppery taste, but Randy tried to turn his head from the coppery taste that started to fill his torn face. His nostrils also started to fill up with blood. He wanted to cough, but his throat was constricting. Jane sat back and watched the man's inner struggle to survive. She always thought it was funny that even though they knew they couldn't do anything about what was happening, they had the flight-or-fight instinct to kick in. Air bubbles of blood popped from Randy's mouth and nose. Soon he would drown in his own blood. She felt no guilt. It wasn't her fault. Something was wrong, though. Usually by now, Jane felt satisfied and full. But she felt nothing. Nothing at all. In fact, she was starting to get angry again. Her hands balled up in a fist. It's not fair, she screamed at the woods. She held the scalpel tightly in her hand and thrust it into the man's chest. She stabbed down harder and harder. She felt the suction of the flesh trying to suck down on the blade before she pulled it back up. She sawed at his nipples, ripping them from their flesh with her tools. She stabbed him again, pushed the scalpel as far down as she could with both hands. Finally, she felt better. She sighed in relief. Jane looked at the mess she made and shook her head. She had let herself lose control again. She put her tools in plastic, reminding herself to clean them up when she got home. She washed the body gently, leaving no blood on it, took the comb out of Randy's pocket and combed his hair. She then took all his belongings out of his pockets, folded his clothing, and put the stuff on top of them, making sure that his wallet was laid on top. She was just that kind of person. She was neat and orderly. She put on her clothing and her wig. 
Check the area for their struggle and neaten that up also. Grabbing her purse to leave, she turned to look at Randy one more time, and it hit her that she almost forgot the most important detail. She reached in her purse till her fingers found the long white envelope. She stuck the envelope in his left shoe with the bold writing showing, Maggie Shepherd. Satisfied, she took off her gloves, put them in the baggie along with the scalpel and cloth. She hummed to herself as she walked back to her car. Chapter 13 Maggie couldn't believe her mourning. Another body was found. And now this. The sick pervert left her a personal letter. She was curious why the killer would leave a letter for her. She sighed and raised her head. Mark nodded. She ripped open the envelope and read the contents. She read it over twice and then handed it over to Mark. She paced the room as he read. Dear Maggie, It's been a grave disappointment to me that the police of Willow Springs can't find one small killer. Did you ever look in yourself for the answer? I would think you would. You were the top of your class, and your father had such high hopes for you. Aren't you a disappointment to your father now? Did you think that if you became a detective, your father would be happy with you following in his footsteps? That's what I'm doing. I am reliving my father's dreams. Torture and destruction. It is a nasty bit being a female in the world of men, isn't it? So here I am, helping you. I'm ridding the imbeciles of the world for you to advance. Maybe your chief should get a taste of my medicine. Hell, the whole squad needs a good kick in the ass. Bunch of pansies. I had high hopes for you. I don't want to see you like the rest of the dumb bitches in this town. Opening their legs to any man. Time to get smart. That's why I picked you. I am so close to you that you pass by me every day. I dare you to look inside yourself for the truth. I am there. I give you two days, then again I will strike. I am enjoying my new job. The Ripper. Mark handed the letter back to Maggie. She turned it over in her hands. Nice name, The Ripper, Mark commented. Maggie went to the windows and watched some children ride by on their bikes. She could hear their exciting laughter and voices. The sound made her feel empty. Mark sensed Maggie's tension and walked over to her and rubbed her shoulders. What does it mean, Mark? Mark turned Maggie around to face him. He put a finger on her chin and raised her face upward and shook his head. I don't really know, Maggie. This ripper, as he calls himself, did a lot of research on your personal history. This is all some kind of game. He's playing chess with you. He made his move. Now it's your turn. I don't play games. It's time to learn. Maybe I don't want to, Mark. I'm scared, Maggie confessed. You should be. This man is serious. Not only is he cold and calculating, he's a mind player. He knew this would upset you. I think he wants you to give up. Well, I'm not, Maggie snapped. I'm not saying you should. Well, what exactly are you suggesting? Mark reached out to Maggie. She stepped back, her eyes glaring, accusing him. I want you to be safe. 
He is watching you. I don't think you should be alone. I am not a child. I can take care of myself. Thank you very much. I'm not a damsel in distress, either. Yes, I was upset about the letter. Who wouldn't be? But it is just one more reason for me to solve this faster. I have two days. Now, if you don't mind, I think you have your own work to do. Edwards has been asking for you. With that, Maggie turned around and left the room. Maggie stood outside the library. She didn't know why she felt compelled to stop, but stopped she did. Well, maybe a good romance novel would help her ease the tension. That, and a good hot bubble bath. With that idea in her head, she opened the wide doors and walked in, feeling the coolness of the open space library. Jane had just finished her break and was walking through the vast hallway when Maggie came through the door. She couldn't believe it. That dumb bitch found me already. She was smarter than I thought. Jane walked hurriedly to her counter. She stood there staring at Maggie as she walked into the library's main room, where she was. Maggie didn't even spot the woman staring at her so intensely. She walked over to the romance section, nodding to a few people she knew on her way. She hoped her library card was in her purse. She hadn't used it for a long time. Jane gripped the counter with white-knuckle tension. She watched Maggie walk by her. Maggie didn't even glance in Jane's way. Jane was wondering what Maggie was up to. She knew that she was caught. Dumb, she thought. I shouldn't have left that letter for her. I was getting too bold. Well, I'll take myself right to her and give myself up. I'm not going to make a scene. I'll show these folks what a real lady is like. Jane was going to gain control of this matter also. It was her life, and no one was going to ruin her reputation of being a calm, collected person. Jane followed the mop of red hair through the aisle of books. She thought she had lost Maggie for a second, but then she turned the corner and saw her. Maggie was sitting cross-legged on the floor among some books. Jane looked up and read the sign. It read, Romance Section. She heard a sigh. Jane looked over at Maggie, who was intensely reading a book. Maggie was sighing over some passage that she had just read. Jane watched Maggie read and sigh again, and she couldn't help it. She let out a giggle. She quickly put her hand over her mouth to mute herself. Startled by that noise, Maggie looked up, her face reddening at being caught reading a love story. She glanced down at the books that surrounded her and the one she was holding. She knew she must look like some love-crazed woman. Maggie started putting the books away. Jane plastered a smile on her face and walked over to Maggie and helped put some of the books back. After the books were in place, Jane held up a book for Maggie. If you like romances, here's a good one. Maggie took the book from this plain-looking woman. She looked at the woman with a critical eye. Jane was wearing one of her long brown skirts with a loose white button blouse. Her hair was bundled up in a strict bun, no makeup, and a slight smile on her face. Maggie decided that this must be the new librarian. No one could look that plain on purpose. Thank you, Maggie said to the plain woman, who stood there staring at her. 
Maggie suddenly felt self-conscious. Did she have smeared lipstick on or something? The woman was staring at her face as if she did have something on it. Maggie swiped at her face, pulled her hand back and saw nothing. Are romances your favorite? I would think a pretty woman like you may have enough romance in her life to not have to read about it, Jane said quietly, her smile still glued on her face. Maggie thought that was a strange thing for a woman to say. But looking at this meek woman, she didn't figure she would know real romance if it bit her in the ass. Maggie felt a little sorry for this woman. Maybe she just wanted to be friends or was just doing her job. Strange person. But Maggie didn't want to be critical of anyone else. Mainly now, as her life was in uproar. I'm too busy to have romance in my life, but thank you. Besides, I could never find my knight in shining armor to save me, so... I understand. What do you do that keeps you from finding your knight? Jane asked. I work in the police department. Maggie shifted her purse higher up on her shoulder. This woman would not stop staring at her. It was making her quite uncomfortable. Oh my, that must be an exciting job, Jane said. Well, yes and no. It can be pretty hectic at times. I just bet. Mostly now. Why is that? Maggie asked. Jane spread her hands. Because of all those killings. How gruesome. Oh yeah, of course. Maggie didn't want to talk or think about that right now. She wanted to hide away from office problems for tonight. I gotta get going. It was nice meeting you, Miss... Miss... I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name. Miss Lawrence. Jane Lawrence. I'm relatively new in town. Maggie stuck out her hand. I'm Maggie Shepard. Jane looked at Maggie's hand. I'm sorry. I don't shake hands. Maggie looked at her strangely. Jane hurriedly came up with an excuse. Oh, you know, the oils on hands don't mix well with new bonded books. That's what I'm working on. She hoped that her made-up excuse would satisfy Maggie. It did. Maggie didn't understand what she was talking about and let it pass. She wanted to get away from the strange little lady. Well, thanks again. It was still nice meeting you, Miss Lawrence. I'm sure we will meet again. Jane watched Maggie walk away and whispered at Maggie's back. Yes, I am sure we will meet again, Miss Maggie Shepard, sooner than you think. Chapter 14 Maggie walked into the station, feeling refreshed from a night of relaxation. She was ready to face the day with a new outlook. As she walked by the guys in the station, one of them whistled, and a couple were staring at her. She wondered what their problem was. Maybe my new perfume, she thought wickedly. Hey, Shepard, here you got a secret admirer, one of the cops yelled out. What are you talking about? Special delivery on your desk? He grinned and walked away. My desk? Maggie went to her desk, and sitting there was a large arrangement of red roses. How sweet, she thought. Mark must have felt bad about the way he talked to her yesterday. She bent over to smell the roses. Nice. Who are they from? Mark came up to her desk. I thought they were from you. Maggie gave him a puzzled look. Nope. Don't do roses. 
Look for a card. That's right. I didn't think of that. Maggie was disappointed that Mark didn't give them to her. She looked amongst the flowers looking for a card, found it and opened it up. Maggie dropped the card onto the floor and sat down in her chair. Her face went ashen. Maggie, are you okay? Mark asked, concern in his voice. Maggie pointed to the card on the floor. Mark picked it up and read it. Dearest Maggie, since you are so lonely, I decided you needed some romance in your life. I could have sent you one of my beauties, but then you would know my secret. Besides, the color of blood is so perfect for our relationship. Since you have trouble looking into yourself for answers, I will give you a clue. Gardens, water, sky, birds, rocks, and lovers. Look under the fat seagull, the ripper. What the hell does this mean? Mark asked. I have no idea. Maggie sunk into her chair. Well, I think it's a bunch of hogwash. Clues my ass. Who does this guy think he is, the Riddler? Maggie snatched the paper from Mark's hand. I don't think so, but I do have an idea. Maggie looked through the station until she spotted Parker, who had a reputation as a ladies' man, and she called for him. Parker hurried over to Maggie. Yes, ma'am? Maggie handed him the note and told him to read it. What does this mean? Parker asked. Parker, I've got a question for you. Is there a lover's lane on the outskirts of town? Parker replied, yes. Where is it? Behind Stormer's old place. The old gardens, right? Maggie smiled. Yes. The Stormers used to have a big garden open to the public. They had paths that led to different kinds of gardens, from wildflowers to pond flowers and even a couple of rock gardens. When I was a kid, my mom would take me there all the time. I still don't get it, Mark said. I do, Parker interrupted. The owner loved birds of all kinds. She used to have bird feeders all over the place, and she had stone statues of birds everywhere. Okay, I guess it makes sense. For us locals, it does. She gave him a stern look. Mark ignored her look and turned to Parker. Parker, want to lead the way? No problem. Parker drove them to the Stormer's old place. The once beautiful gardens were full of overgrown weeds. Beer cans and garbage littered the grounds. Maggie could see the Stormer's house, all boarded up now since they left town. It reminded her of Bates' home from the movie Psycho. She shivered at the idea that someone could be watching them right now from out one of the windows. So this is Lover's Lane of Willow Springs, Mark laughed. Yes, sir, Parker said. Pretty wild parties, hmm? Mark winked to him. Parker smiled. He likes this tall man. He was always ready with a smile, and he seemed to understand Parker's crush on Detective Shepard. I could tell you some stories, Parker said. I bet you could. Mark countered. All right, guys, come on. Maggie stood there with her hands on her hips, annoyed at their bantering. What are we doing here, Maggie? Mark turned to look at her. Think about it. For an FBI man, you don't use your brains much. I'll ignore that. Whatever. The clues in the note point here. Yes. Explain this again to the brainless FBI guy. Mark was enjoying Maggie's excitement. 
God grant me. She sighed and slapped her forehead. All right, Maggie. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Garden. This was an old garden spot. Water and rocks. The Stormers had rock and water gardens also. The owner loved birds, and now it is Lover's Lane. Well, what about the sky? Mark asked. It's out in the open. The sky is above us, Parker said, catching on to what Maggie meant. The Ripper left another clue here. I'm sure of it, Maggie said. So what are we looking for? Mark asked. My best guess would be a fat seagull. A what? Mark asked. There has to be a statue somewhere around here of a seagull. Maggie spread her arms in the direction of the garden. Let's spread out and look for it. Then what? We will figure that out when we get that far. Parker went to the south side of the garden. He kicked aside garbage and old leaves with his boot, looking carefully at the ground around him. He could hear Mark and Maggie still arguing about the clues. It all made sense to him when Maggie explained it. He couldn't understand why crowns didn't understand. I don't care what you say, Mark. I'm looking for it. If you just want to watch with your hands in your pockets, then just do that. Maggie stormed away from him. Why did he have to be so arrogant and sure of himself, Maggie thought. If he'd just listen, he would know that I'm right. I know that the Ripper wants me here. Mark watched Maggie search. He didn't know why she would think the killer would almost invite her here, but he was going to humor her. He went the opposite direction from Maggie and Parker, half-heartedly looking around. Maggie walked slowly, pushing small tree branches out of her way, being careful where she stepped when her foot hit something hard. She leaned close to the ground and pushed aside some dead brittle leaves and spotted a statue of a seagull. She put on a pair of surgical gloves, with her heart racing. This was it. She was sure. She picked it up and turned it over in her hands. Nothing. Disappointed, she was about to lay it down when she spotted a baggie where the seagull had been lying. She put the seagull aside and picked up the baggie. Mark! Parker! Maggie yelled. Both came running. What is it? They said at the same time, this. Maggie held out the baggie towards them. Mark reached for it. Maggie snatched it back. You need gloves. I don't have any. In my back pocket, Maggie said. Mark reached into her back pocket. His hand cupped her roundness. Maggie elbowed him aside with a disgusting look. Now may I? He asked with a grin. Maggie held out the baggie to Mark. He looked at the baggie. In it was a small white folded piece of paper and a plant. Did you notice the note? He asked Maggie. No. What note? Here. Mark opened the baggie. Wait. What? The plant. Be careful. Maggie's eyes were wide with excitement. Mark shook his head at her and carefully took the paper and handed it to Maggie. She unfolded it and read it aloud. Dear Maggie, very smart. Look in page four, section B, Ripper. And there was a heart next to the name. Now what the hell is that supposed to mean? Mark asked. I don't know. Maybe it has something to do with that, 
Parker said, pointing at the plant. Could be. Maggie looked at the plant through the bag closely. Inside the baggie, the plant looked freshly picked as the dark green leaves weren't dry. On its woody stem, there was a small white flower and it looked like it had a berry on it. Yeah, but what? Mark said. I have no clue. I don't know what this is, but I know someone who might. Who's that? Susan might. I thought she was a medical examiner. Is she a botanist too? Mark asked sarcastically. No, but botany is her hobby. You should see her greenhouse. Well, then let's go see your Susan. Maggie held the baggie out to one side, careful not to crush the tender plant inside, and slid the paper into her shirt pocket. She couldn't stop smiling. She knew she was right. I hope you enjoyed chapters 12 through 14 of Jane the Ripper. In Friday's episode, Mark and Chief Edwards exchanged some heated words concerning Maggie's job so far. And the Ripper leaves another taunting letter for Maggie. You can find Daniel Nabert's other novels on Amazon. She has a vast collection to choose from. Many are free to read with Kindle Unlimited. To keep up with the various novels and authors that we will feature, you can follow My Secret Obsession on Facebook, Instagram, and X at Cherish Lively. Or visit the website at tinyurl.com slash Cherish Lively. Do you want to be a part of My Secret Obsession? I'm looking for secrets and tattletales to read aloud on the podcast. Do you know any small town secrets? Have you had a brush with danger that rocked your world? Are supernatural activities or hauntings keeping you up at night? Write your story and send it to my secret obsession podcast at gmail.com.